Want ideas to grow your ministry and engage your supporters? Coming to you from QT4CM.org. This is the Quick Tips for Christian Ministry podcast. And here's your host, David Allen. Quite a few of you have asked that we give some tips on how to engage the next generations in our churches and ministry work. Author, coach, and former youth pastor Stan Belishev is on the line with us again. Stan, welcome back. David, thank you for having me back in your program again. Let's follow up, Stan, from the great advice you gave us in episode 19, and that was about discipling youth in our ministries. You pointed out the powerful values-setting role models that mold and influence young Christians today. So, uh, Stan, in particular, who or what is currently discipling and shaping the hearts and the minds of this younger generation? Yes, great question. Uh, Last time when I had the opportunity to talk with you, uh, I shared about the desperate need of having spiritual fathers and mothers for the younger generation. And in that introduction, I quickly talked about some of the most uh, influential role models or mind molders that are out there that are shaping the hearts and minds of the younger generation. Today, if I may, I want to take the quick opportunity to go into details and into depth about nine of those specific most influential role models that are currently discipling the younger generation and shaping their hearts, their minds, their viewpoints, and are even setting uh, their path for their life. But if I may quickly share this example, uh, whether this happened in our personal life or with somebody we know or just of many stories out there uh, where somebody would go see their physician uh, because they have a pain in their body or maybe a heavy migraine. And after their physician analyzes them, says, hey, look, I didn't find anything specific. You know, just take this medication or some painkillers. You should be okay." But then you decided to get a second opinion and you said, you know what, let me go see a specialist. And after you go see a specialist and they do some deeper examination or even an MRI and only to give you the results that, hey, after we did an MRI in your brain, we found that there's actually a brain tumor or we discovered cancer cells or something other of a greater disease uh, that your physician wasn't able to find. Does that mean that your physician is no good and should lose their license? No. It's just that physician has his or her own specific uh, knowledge and understanding and even tools. But when we go to experts, experts are able to provide us uh, certain details or certain information that our physician was not able to. So in my life, I had that opportunity to be the youth pastor for about 10 years or so and working with the younger generation and having that in-depth just uh, knowledge and understanding and being part of their life for so many years, I was able to learn and discover much. And in the process, not that I want to call myself an expert, David, but I've learned so much through hands-on that when I begin to do additional research, talking to other fellow Christians, to other pastors, uh, to other individuals in various areas, and even doing research, I begin to notice uh, certain patterns. So today I want to take this opportunity uh, to talk about the nine most uh, influential, as I like to call them, influential role models and mind molders that are discipling and impacting this younger generation. Most of them will be familiar with us. Of course, one or two would possibly not go well with some of the listeners uh, because of maybe of their detail and their content. But all I ask is just give me uh, some uh, space and grace uh, just to, you know, share of what I've learned and what I have observed. So number one out of these nine, uh, there's there's no specific order to them, but it's the media. Uh, Media is enormous right now. Media is huge. 
from TV, from shows, from programs, from news media outlets, from reality shows uh, that before when we used to have just a big two box with maybe a few channels, then we switched to a a cable uh, with more channels. Now, I don't know how many channels are out there, but we can even have this access uh, at the palm of our hands, which we call, you know, the smartphones. And why media? Well, through the media, anything goes. And one pattern I noticed, uh, David, over these years is what kind of media content is going out there? What kind of movies? What's the message behind those movies? I don't want to go into certain details because this will be just a whole episode in itself just talking about media and movies. Me personally, I enjoy watching movies. Uh, my One of my favorite genres is science fiction. Why? Because I enjoy the creativity part. But if we lay aside all the creativity, if we lay aside the good storyline, we have to go and look in the depth of some of the messages and the content that they try to relate. And, you know, in the scripture we read it where Jesus talks about that the eyes are the lamp to our body, to our heart, to our soul, to our spirit man. And we need to be careful the things that we allow to go in through our eyes. But the younger generation and our children, uh, David, they're very vulnerable to this. They may watch certain shows, certain programs, even commercials, and be so innocent to their content, but because of the things that they talk about, because of the things that they address, uh, go deeper into their heart, into their spirit, man, causing a lot of times confusion. You know, especially with these reality TV shows, I've already lost track of what's the latest thing out there on the market, uh, where... It may seem cool that they're showing a TV show from a reality perspective. It's one thing when there is somebody's trying to survive in nature or trying to achieve something. Uh, but in other case, you know, we have all these bachelor, all these love stories, you know, guy trying to meet a girl, these college students, so on and so forth, where they're literally showing them talking and even uh, uh, showing th- things from, from a sexual perverse perspective. And of course, the younger generation, they're observing this, they're receiving this information. And then on top of that, I don't even want to go as far as talking about even cable news, Uh, just uh, their mindset, the things that they're um, putting out there, the things that they're talking about. And even if the younger generation, on the most part, don't want to watch, whether it's, you know, CNN or Fox News or whatever else is out there, they're still exposed to a lot of uh, information through other media outlets, one of them being YouTube. I mean, right now, if you go on YouTube, there's just uh, tens of millions of just videos, could be even already in the hundreds of millions of different videos that you can watch on absolutely any subject matter. And I've even caught myself, David, oftentimes just, you know, trying to go on YouTube, uh, uh, searching for a certain subject, whether it was me preparing for for a message or for personal use and just kind of being carried away by some of the titles of those video clips. And after watching them, I just felt so down on my heart and spirit and even felt a spiritual attack after watching some of those video clips. So I think the media is an enormous sphere, an enormous area, and a tool that is attacking the younger generation, that's attacking their mindsets, their hearts, their innocence, their purity, and uh, etc. Another one, or the second, is the internet, or social networking. That involves Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or whatever else is out there, Snapchat, uh, on, on the market. And These are great tools to have. I will admit to that. Great tools to have. I use them on a daily basis up to a certain degree. 
But at the same time, uh, I even started using this uh, phrase uh, lately. Instead of calling it Facebook, Facebook, I'm calling it Expressbook because, you know, just anybody's out there who's trying to express themselves, what day they're having, what mood they're doing, what they're doing, what they're eating, what they're watching, etc. So on one end, you know, right now after I ended up moving out of state for my family members, uh, I mean, I talk to them on a daily basis, but just by going through some of my social networks, I'll be able to see what my, you know, my brother, my sister or my friends are doing uh, back uh, home. And uh, social uh, networking is great, it's awesome, but it's also uh, something that's stealing a lot of the time from the younger generation, uh, where they're just sitting, spending hours and hours. And I've actually seen relationships destroyed. I've, I've even seen a marriage destroyed uh, because uh, people are out there doing things they're not supposed to be doing, posting things they're not supposed to be posting, clicking likes on things they're not supposed to be liking, and just making themselves very, very vulnerable. Uh, where especially amongst the youth, uh, oftentimes I told them, I said, look, guys, be very, very careful the things you post, especially concerning relationships and dating. You know, I've known people that place things on Facebook with their boyfriend, with their girlfriend, only a couple months later to take those pictures down because, you know, they're no longer dating. But uh, throughout their whole, you know, thread of information, they kept on saying, oh, I love her, she loves me, so on and so forth, only to become brokenhearted. And I've seen this pattern repeat over and over and over again, where it's like, well, come to your senses. Don't uh, share so much of your personal stuff and you know i'm not going to get too too much on conspiracy you know who's watching us who's listening who's recording what we're placed on social network but the younger generation is very very vulnerable and exposed uh when they go uh through social networks and they're just uh engulfing their time their mind more into the social network reality instead of just trying to socialize with people. I, I've seen this happen a couple of times. It was so funny. Uh, one of the youth was texting someone else and I was just kind of, you know, eavesdropping on them. They're saying, hey, what are you doing? And, or where are you? And they're like, oh, I'm right next to you. And they're literally almost in the same room. And it was kind of funny that we don't notice how much attachment is in there. So that uh, so social networking or internet, uh, it plays a major factor in how it forms the hearts and the minds of the younger generation. The third one, is what I like to call uh, literature or, or books uh, that could be, you know, from what we have in school, from academic books, from just novels, fictionals, so on and so forth. I personally like reading books, uh, but not uh, everything that we read is uh, good for our heart, mind, and soul. Uh, the, as the saying goes, knowledge is power and power is everything. But the question is, David, uh, what kind of knowledge or what kind of information are we receiving through our mind, through our ears, which will obviously eventually trickle down into our hearts. And the information that we feed ourselves with will actually form our mindset. So if we're continually reading uh, books and literature that are just exposed in perversion, that are just exposed in immorality, that just are full of uh, darkness, uh, the occult, and heavy spiritual things, or should I say even demonic things, David? Uh, it's just a matter of time until that information begins to grab a hold of your heart and so on and so forth. So, for example, just, just a couple books that come to my mind. Uh, the Da Vinci Code, very controversial, you know, 
saying that, you know, Jesus had a lover or he was married and had a, a child. Uh, the Harry Potter series, I know this might be a sensitive one for some of the parents. As much as it may seem uh, that it's like an innocent magic book, I personally chose not to show any of those movie series to my children. And I will never show them. I have my own personal belief and stance in regards to that. But he, he, here's the thing. There's a difference between when you take a storyline of like Lord of the Rings, Rings, which I personally enjoy myself, that has um, certain deep uh, meaning to it uh, between evil and good. And honestly, I see where I personally see a lot of uh, biblical insight in there. But what I enjoyed the most about Lord of the Rings is where you have a Frodo, who's a youth, who had to take something that was so powerful in the form of a ring, but because of his innocence, he had to destroy it. So there it just shows a struggle between the good and the bad and the evil. Uh, the issue with uh, books like you know Harry Potter, it goes into magic and witchcraft. And I know, again, this might be sensitive to some of the listeners, but I want to just challenge, especially the parents, to be very uh, careful and cautious uh, what kind of information uh, we allow our children to read and to be exposed to. I've done my research uh, concerning you know, Harry Potter, and I don't want to go much into details because I'm just only trying to scratch the surface here concerning this, but we need to be very careful what we allow uh, our children to read. Another one is obviously the Twilight series, where you have a moral fall in love with the immoral uh, uh, and uh, where it's shown a vampire love story and um, mortality and immortality is just or Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, another popular book that's out there. And, and I, I could just keep on going and going. There's just so much of a dark, twisted and, and perverse um, information in literature, in the books, or in magazines, uh, or even through blogs, etc. That, that's just saturating the hearts, the hearts and minds of the younger generation. Uh, and then, you know, we're wondering why is the younger generation having a problem with sexuality, uh, with, the, with their gender identity, why they're struggling with their purpose of life. A lot it has to do is with the information that they engulf into their hearts and their minds. And uh, number four uh, is uh, the government or politics. And that's another area arena that's uh, influencing uh, the hearts and the minds of the younger generation. Of course, this one might be a little surprising to, to some folks, but why specifically government politics? Well, that involves, you know, the immoral laws that are coming out, legislation, and uh, in in some of the people who are in political power and their viewpoint. Again, I just want to say it this way. This is not a Democrat or a Republican type of a thing. It does not matter which position you take. I want to, you know, just address this to my fellow brothers and sisters. You know, as the scripture says, you know, we are ambassadors of Christ. We represent the king and his kingdom upon this earth. So when it comes to government, uh, whichever, you know, way you want to go, Democratic or Republican, okay, that's fine. That's your personal choice. But where we should never be ignorant to is concerning what God's law, which is the Bible, the Word of God, has to say concerning specific things. So when the government decides to say, hey, look, you know, just even the past 10 years, the so many drastic things that have happened within the laws of our land here in America, you know, the changing of marriage, the definition of marriage, you know, you may argue all you want concerning, you know, is marriage between a man or a woman. But when I go to the original law, which is God's law, God's law already defines what marriage is. And even right now, recently, what's been happening this whole gender identity crisis, you know, changing our bathrooms from their uh, logos, you know, it's a men's bathroom, women's bathroom, it's an id bathroom, so on and so forth. And we're just seeing all of this nonsense that's just coming out to the political realm. 
They're saying, well, look, you know, we need to be sensitive to this group. We need to be sensitive to that. We need to respect that. Hey, look, I understand it this way, David, that as a child of God, I need to love and respect everyone because the Bible teaches me to do so. But one thing that I should not uh, be able to be, uh, the one area where I need to stand strong upon is what God's word needs to, says concerning specific things. And uh, they're, honestly, they're very evident. There's no point of trying to argue, well, you're right in this, you're wrong in that. Because one thing I learned over the years, I have my own opinion. Just as much as, David, you have your own opinion, and all the listeners right now who are listening to me have their own opinion. That's fine. We can all have our own opinions and share our own perspective. But if we're honest and fair with ourselves as God's children, we have to go to the original opinion book, and that's called God's Word. So when we read God's word and what it says about specific things, then our opinion no longer has any value. And honestly, one of the things that stirs up my heart is just this whole political correctness, you know, the tolerance, you know, well, we need to tolerate that. We need to love that. I understand we need to love one another. As the saying goes, you know, love the sinner, but hate the sin. So it's sad, but the government, the politics and the policies that are just coming out, they're they're, they're destroying, uh, destroying uh, many things and values that we stand for that concerns, you know, the judicial system. And of course, that goes as far as what's allowed and the type of education that's now being changed in our classrooms concerning, well, you know, it's no longer, you know, father and mother, it's, you know, father and a father, mother and a mother, and and all these other things that's bringing confusion into the hearts of this younger generation. I, and I, I guess if I can just bluntly say it this way, this whole thing concerning gender identity, why there's so much confusion in the area, because of so many things that the younger generation is exposed to, the media, the social network, and etc., they're confused. They're confused. You know, on Monday, I feel like this, and Tuesday, I feel like this, on Wednesday, I listen to this individual. I'm seeing a whole different picture. And by the time the week is over, you know, these poor young hearts, they're confused. They're lost. And of course, the devil, he's going to take advantage of this and he's going to attack them in any way he can. All right. <laughs> Just got a little bit uh, uh, hyped up about that. Uh, and number five. Uh, number five is the academia, uh, colleges, uh, schools, universities. This is another big one that's forming the hearts and the minds. Now, uh, as a disclaimer, I am for school. I am for education. But one thing we cannot be ignorant with is who stands behind or should I say in front of the students and teaches them. Uh, from my personal observation and even talking to so much of high school and college age students, I mean, this is not just, you know, me sitting there thinking this up. I'm, I'm re- I received this information for more than 10 years from the high school students and college students that I worked with. And they continue to tell me what their teachers and professors talk about. And a lot of these teachers and professors, they, they do have a lib- liberal perspective. They do have an anti-God perspective, anti-Bible perspective. This, this does not make all the teachers bad and horrible, David. No, but it just shows their mindset and it just shows the things that they stand and believe for. So instead of them teaching their specific subject matter, all of a sudden they're, they're adding this uh, into their subject. They're all of a sudden going to politics and so on and so forth. And even recently, within the past couple of years, we're seeing so many protests. We're seeing so many, uh, you know, these uprisings that are happening in our nations. And when you look at the videos, who do you see at those protests? Mostly college-age students. And when you when you hear some of them talk uh, about the things that they talk about and what, why they're supposed to be out there protesting this thing or this new law or this regulation or this belief or that belief, it just sometimes sounds so 
uh, immature and so ridiculous up to a certain degree and at the same time heartbreaking. And you're thinking, I mean, you're only age 18, 19, 20, and you're already thinking things the way you're thinking. So uh, one of the things that uh, obviously is uh, very challenging uh, for us as pastors, as ministers, and as parents is how do we teach, how do we train the younger generation so when they do go out there uh, into the real world, when they do go into academia, that they'll not be able to lose the faith. And in the recent statistics, it's been said that more than 85% uh, lose their faith once they hit uh, college level or university campuses because of just so much liberal and ungodly things that takes place on campuses uh, through the lips of the professor that uh, their faith that's within them, they're not able to fully stand strong and resist it. And sadly to say, more than uh, 85% of them uh, leave the faith, the Christian faith, and leave God in the process, which is very sad. Wow, 85% lose their faith. Okay, Stan, just taking notes here. You've identified these five influencing role models on youth. These are media, social networking, literature, government, and academia. And you'd mentioned a list of nine. So, Stan, what are the other things that are also shaping the hearts and minds of our children and youth? Well, uh, that was a handful, uh, I know. And that was only five out of the nine, uh, four more that I would like to share. And uh, the next one, uh, at least, is uh, number six. Again, there's no numeric order to them, is prescription medication. Uh, This one might be a little interesting for some of the listeners. But again, uh, please listen to my heart uh, of what I would like to share. Uh, Again, from my personal experience. And on the most part, uh, when I'm talking about prescription medication, I'm talking about antidepressants and painkillers. These are the two specific ones. And even on the most part, uh, antidepressants. Uh, we're seeing more and more through the research that I've done uh, how much of the youth are being uh, uh attached to antidepressants and painkillers. And even in the recent statistic, it said that every day about 2,500 youth abuse prescription pain relievers, about 2,500 per day. Uh, I think that statistic right now, uh, the one I did research to specifically focused on America, but if we're to combine throughout the whole world, it's a big one. So why why do I choose to add prescription medication to one of the most uh, uh, influential role models, as I call them, and mind molders that shape in the hearts and the minds of the younger generation? Uh, Because in my personal life, I observed this hands-on up to such a dramatic way that... uh, it stirred up my heart with just grief and pain where I've noticed some of the youth, you know, for some time, everything is fine and normal. And then I'm just noticing they have a different mood, the way they're talking, the way they're behaving. And, and I got a little confused. What's happening with them? And only later finding out that they began to take antidepressants. Now, here's, here's a disclaimer that I would like to address, uh, first of all, and especially to, to a parent that's listening to me. Uh, first of all, I'm for medication. I'm very grateful that God has given much knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, and discovery, and breakthrough in the whole medical arena. Uh, I believe that will come a day that we'll be able to cure cancer. We'll be able to find a cure for so many other diseases. But at the same time, I don't want especially parents to be ignorant to this. So please listen to me with just just an open heart. Uh, from my observation, what I learned from uh, especially especially antidepressants, why why does somebody need to receive an antidepressant? Is it because there's something out of place in their physical body in their mind? For some medical reasons, there is. 
But in my personal research and observation, that's not what I noticed. The, the, even looking at the term antidepressant, that means you're depressed and you need to take something not to be depressed. David, when I was in the world, uh, there are certain things that the world offers to us. You know, as back in the day would say, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So in my case, I enjoyed drinking. And when I was in the world, David, I enjoyed also smoking marijuana. So if I can just take those two substances, I did not drink just because, you know, we're out there hanging out with my friends and, you know, trying to have a good time. I understood that when I have a certain measure of the alcoholic beverages, it's going to influence my physical body. It's going to influence my mind. It's going to relax me or as we like to say, it's going to get me drunk. And here we are, you know, having a good time. And then if we overdo it, you know, everything else goes, goes haywire. And same thing, that's what happened when I used to smoke marijuana. By inhaling it, it would give me hallucination, it relaxes. In other words, it would take me supposedly away from my reality. It would supposedly take me away from, you know, my hurts, my pains, and etc. for a certain temporary time. But that's just two substances, David, that I was at least exposed to. But there's so many more out there. And they're saying that right now that, you know, uh, prescription medication is just one of the most abused uh, substances out there, especially by the younger generation. That, you know, they supposedly receive the painkiller, but now that painkiller is becoming the legal drug that they're popping into their body every day. So what I want to specifically address concerning uh, prescription medication is if you're a parent and you're listening to me and you do have a child that's on heavy prescription medication, specifically antidepressants, specifically antidepressants. Uh, one of the areas where I want to challenge you is, is to be honest with yourself, because if there is a serious medical issue, that's fine. It's one thing, but here's the thing with so much information that this younger generation is being bombarded with through the media, through the movies, through the books to read too. believe me, at the end of the day, they will be depressed. Why is it that the girls continually come into a mirror? They're physically attractive, but when, when they look into the mirror, they say, I am ugly. You know, uh, excuse me, and I'm sorry, David, for being just, you know, straightforward and raw in this explanation that when I had my first encounter with a pornography magazine years ago, I think it was around age 13, when I was flipping through the magazine, I did not see any ugly looking or, or fat girl or woman in the magazine. To me, to a guy or to a kid back then, they all looked physically attractive because I don't think any pornography industry is going to hire anybody that's, that does not look physically attractive or, or extremely overweight. So in that same point, what, what's happening is, what, why are girls struggling with their physical beauty interaction? Why, why are the younger uh, the generation is going to depression? Why do they feel bored? Why do they want to commit suicide? You know, what's the reason behind suicide? This whole concept of bullying, uh, not feeling accepted, so on and so forth. And because they go through these struggles... Which is not just, oh, you know, Sally or Mike had nothing to do. No, it's the things that they're exposed to on a daily basis that's bringing this uh, mindset and that's bringing these thoughts into their hearts and minds. And of course, we should never forget that the devil, he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if you continue to ponder on a certain negative or a dark thought, guess what? The devil, he's going to continue to grow that, to grow that into your heart, into your mind, until you say, I can't do it. And sad to say, one of the fastest things we want to run to, especially as a parent, well, you know, my son and my daughter, they're going through some mental breakdown. I got to go see a doctor. And what are the doctors going to say? Or your physician? Well, you know, here's a prescription, you know, and have them take antidepressants. And this is where we need to be very careful because this is what I believe in. Instead of us running to the cross 
and to Jesus who's a healer, we've somehow as Christians have programmed ourselves to run to the CVS prescription drugstore. Let me use this analogy, uh, David, that Jesus, he's our healer, he's our doctor. The cross is a type of the CVS. And when we receive his prescription, that's the word of God. So instead of us running to the doctor who gives us a prescription to run to our local Walgreens or CVS, we need to learn, especially as parents, how to come to our doctor, Jesus, and to kneel at the foot of the cross and to go to his prescription, which is God's word. I still believe in God's healing power. I still believe in deliverance. I still believe that God came to, that Jesus came to set the captives free. So if there's somebody, special parent who's listening to me in this area of just prescription medication, if your child is on it, okay, you use your own discernment in that area. But I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, not for us to run to alternative sources, but to run to the original source, our doctor, our healer, Jesus Christ. He paid the price through his death and through his blood and through that to receive uh, our healing, our restoration, etc. Again, getting uh, on fire as I'm talking. Uh, Next one, uh, number seven, is music. Uh, This is a big one. We all enjoy listening to music. What kind of church service, uh, David, would we have if there was no music? Uh, if we just stood there and, you know, just sang, you know, some worship songs or some hymns and just sat down. It, it wouldn't be the same. So music uh, is a huge area uh, that's uh, important and big. But uh, if we look deep into the depths of what's happening, especially in the secular market, uh, of uh, the well-known artists, music artists out there, they're, they're captivating the hearts of the younger generation. I'm sure, you know, you had some songs that, you know, David, when, you know, you turn on the radio and on the secular radio station, you just kind of hear some kind of popular song. I had song, I remember years ago, uh, I believe it was Katy Perry that sang the song. It was called, I Kissed a Girl and I Liked It. I heard about that song, but now I listened to it for the first time on the radio station. And David, I'm not exaggerating. For a couple days, I could not get those lyrics out of my mind. They kept them playing in my mind over and over again. I kissed a girl and I liked it. And I'm thinking, what in the world is happening? I had to pray about it. It's in the name of Jesus. I, I rebuked those thoughts. But those lyrics played a very powerful role. And of course, the whole music industry, it is uh, has a major, major role in the way it's forming the hearts and minds of the younger generation. Let me just quickly read to you some of the uh, quotes and uh, through interviews and conversations that the most, some of the most uh, um, popular uh, artists that's spoken about which were recorded and this is what they had to say concerning the music for example music is the strongest form of magic that was said by Marilyn uh, Manson another one music can change the world because it can change people that's Bono musicians want to be the loud voice for so many quiet hearts Billy Joel when I grew up music was a way of escape Marilyn Manson again Poor is the man whose pleasure depends on the permission of another, Madonna. Music is my religion, Jimi Hendrix. Another quote, I'm not saying I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will speak to the brain that will change the world. Tupac Shakur, a rapper who got uh, shot down years ago. I'm telling you a lie in a vicious effort that you will repeat it, my lie, over and over until it becomes true. Lady Gaga. And I mean, I could just keep on going and going, uh, sharing all these examples, but uh, music is not only because it sounds good and we can just tap our food to the beat, but lyrics play a huge role 
vital role in how they're shaping the minds. And I even noticed, uh, David, uh, my, my children coming from school and just singing a, suit, uh, a tune, I'm sorry. And as I listened to them, I'm like, uh, where, where, where'd you listen to that? It's like, oh, somebody, you know, on my school bus was listening to that. But they're only singing this tune because it sounds cool. It's got a good beat to it. But what they're not paying attention is to the lyrics. And after I heard some of those lyrics, I would say to my son or daughter, hey, stop. Stop singing that. That's wrong. That's not good information. Again, uh, just the whole aspect of just music, I can keep on going uh, on and on. But let's move to the next one. Uh, Number eight, which is sports. Uh, Sports and commercialization. Sports and commercials combined together. Uh, Now, this one might be a little interesting uh, for for some of you, but I've done, you know, my own research uh, because I personally love sports. Even the work that I do right now, work for an international sporting company, and uh, I'm familiar with sports. All three of my children are involved in sports, and my eldest, my son, he plays baseball. And I remember I took him to see uh, a professional Major League Baseball game. And when I brought him to the stadium, we actually got free tickets. Uh, they were like $100 tickets, and it was a huge stadium. And when I brought him to the game, uh, I knew my son was going to have a blast. And he was just sitting there looking around, the huge stadium, players, fans, signs, music. I mean, it was just an awesome experience uh, for my son because I got to experience that myself years ago. But this is what I've observed in that atmosphere, which I knew was already there. Here we have around us sitting dads, mothers, grandparents with their children or grandchildren. And supposedly they're all having fun. But what I notice is in, you know, every other hand, you know, there's a beer bottle. Uh, another group over there, you know, is cussing out the player or the umpire that's uh, that called the wrong play. And here you have, uh, when you look around, you have these huge uh, LED lights and signs that at, on one end they're showing what's happening on the baseball field, but then there are all other signs. Most of them are just promoting Budweiser, Heineken, this beer, that beer, so on and so forth. And maybe at that moment, um, you know, my son, he was only nine years old, he didn't observe that, but it's sad that here we have a what's called, you know, I guess a family event. But when you go there, it's, it's like a mixture of a family event with, with a bar attached to it. But one thing I do want to specifically address concerning sports. Sports are awesome. Sports are great. I encourage everybody, you know, especially every parent, to, to challenge their son and daughter to go into sports because they'll keep you disciplined both physically, uh, psychologically, intellectually. intellectually. Uh, they'll teach you how to have teamwork, so on and so forth. Uh, but uh, when we look in the professional arena, uh, it's sad that we have athletes who uh, go beyond than just sports concerning their lifestyle, concerning the things that they do. And even when we're just driving uh, on the the highways, here you have one of your favorite, you know, athlete stars with a big smile. One of them might be holding a hamburger because they're doing a promotion. On the next billboard sign, you see, you know, another uh, athlete star promoting, you know, uh, an alcoholic beverage. And, and and these are the things that are sending the wrong message. I understand it's marketing, it's sponsorship, they're making money. But when we just go uh, and, 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 uh, into the depth of that, that it seems like that sports are, are more than just sports. They've become a, such a huge commercial business that going from the Super Bowl halftime show and from, from so many other things. And even in this re- recent Super Bowl that we just watched. Again, I'm not going to go, you know, uh, which team you're favoring for. But, but uh, literally, a lot of the commercials, you know, and, and even the halftime show, I shut it off. I would not allow my children to watch. Because I know of just so much just immorality that's poured out through that. 
here you go, supposedly, you know, a very funny commercial about, you know, Doritos and etc. Right the next commercial, you know, is promoting the best uh, drink uh, uh, in the world, you know. And at the end it says Budweiser. And what kind of message is being sent uh, into the hearts of the younger generation? And of course, you know, when we're talking about college, it's a whole uh, different arena to, to conquer because um, alcohol and college sports, they, they come hand to hand. So here, of course... Um, uh, we need to be uh, wise and careful also as parents how we teach and train children that area. And last one, uh, number nine. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm only sc scratching the surface, David, concerning all of these. But uh, number nine uh, is actually video games. Another big one. Yes, my son, my children, they do have a Wii system, I think it is. They do have video games. So I'm not against video games. But here's the thing that I've observed confronted with when I worked with youth and also have done homework. Back in the day when I was growing up, I remember the original Nintendo. Oh my goodness, I thought that was everything. Right now, I'm comparing the first gaming system that I was exposed to when I was younger and what my children exposed to. Wow, what a night and day difference. The graphics are just phenomenal. Some of these video games, they look like you're, you're, <laughs> you're playing in a movie. That's how real it is. But another thing that I've observed that has become so deadly and destructive, David, is what kind of video games are coming out there? A lot of video games that are focused on blood, on destruction, on death, uh, blown off z zombie heads. I mean, I've seen this video clip of a sniper game where he shot the bullet and he showed the bullet flying in slow motion. Once it hit the skull, it zoomed in the lens and it shows the uh, the bullet going through the skull into the brain and coming out the uh, back of the head and just splattering the blood all over the wall. And, you, and on one end, you're like, wow, that's something I see in the movie or in movies. But this was an actual real video game. And the sad thing is this, you know, uh, the, the psychologists are divided in this. They say, well, video games, they don't influence, you know, the younger generation. I beg to differ. I, I will argue that. I've seen hands-on experience what video games have done to some individuals. Now, I'm not bashing video games, because like I said, my, my, my children, they, they play video games, but I restrict them what, they, what kind of video games they play. And this whole arena of just vi video games, it's, uh, again, I want to address this to parents. Uh, please uh, use wisdom. Please use wisdom of what you're trying to allow your, your son and daughter to play. Uh, right now, I, I, by doing my recent research, I learned, uh, learned that this whole gaming industry is becoming like a sport. They want to even take it as far as Olympics to have an official Olympic sport. So when I begin to do my research uh, about these, you know, professional gamers, as they like to call them, uh, right now, they used to call them professional gamers. I found out now they're calling them professional athletes. They're like athletes. I'm like, really? A video game and athlete? I don't know. The only thing that's working are your fingertips, I guess. You know, I guess it's called a sport. <laughs> I don't know. But here's the thing. One thing I learned uh, through an interview, when they begin to interview these professional gamers who go and compete uh, on a world level, on the international level, of course, you know, they get sponsorship money and et cetera, and not everybody qualifies. What I learned that these gamers, on average, have to practice up to eight hours a day. Now, I'm not talking about practice a sport, you know, playing with a ball outside, dribbling a ball or hitting a ball and et cetera. We're talking about sitting behind a screen for up to eight hours and playing a video game so you can qualify for a certain championship or competition. I'm sorry, but that's way too much time. So this whole industry of video games, it's uh, obviously it's impacting and influencing the younger generation in a specific area of their life. Of course, if they're exposed to very um, aggressive uh, video games, that will 
play an effect on their aggression. It will. I know someone's going to argue me about this, and that's fine. But th th this is the position uh, I take as a parent, and this is what you know what I've also observed uh, when I when I was a youth pastor for about ten years. So again, if I could just quickly wrap it up, I know. <laughs> There's just so much more, David, that I can share about this. But this is what I've observed and learned over you know these years concerning the nine most influential role models or mind molders that are shaping the hearts, the minds, and the thinking process of the younger generation. That's the media, the internet, a literature, uh, government, which you know politics, academia, uh, prescription medications, specifically antidepressants and painkillers, music, sports, which mostly involves com commercials uh, and uh, video games. So yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the things uh, that are just, you know, so big out there. And I hope the listeners that are listening to this, they'll be able to take this into deep consideration. And again, David, I want to thank you personally uh, for having me on this program and talking about uh, this very deep and important subject. Thank you for your assessment and advice you gave us, Stan. You have certainly given us a lot to consider. We definitely need more authentic intergenerational engagement and watchfulness to protect our youth. And here's a recommendation to our listeners. Go back to episode 19 and listen to that one. Stan outlined some practical and positive steps to engaging young people. You've been listening to Stan Belishev, author of Generation Gap, Raising the Next Generation of Leaders. Stan can be reached through his website at www.stanbelyshev.com. You can also get the links to Stan's resources through our show notes at qt4cm.org. Stan's book is available from Amazon. It's called Generation Gap, Raising the Next Generation of Leaders. Stan's intent is to challenge every parent, church leader, and mature Christian to become a spiritual father or mother by discipling the younger generation so they can influence the nations. Stan sheds light on why there is a gap between the younger and the older generation in our local churches and in Christianity, which oftentimes results in the younger generation leaving their church and their Christian faith. Stan has also developed a leadership training curriculum which focuses on raising and discipling the next generation of godly leaders. We would like to thank the sponsor of this podcast, the Great Commission Foundation. The Great Commission Foundation provides financial management administrative services to ministries and handles charity donation receipting and government compliance in both the United States and Canada. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Quick Tips for Christian Ministry podcast. We would value your feedback by taking our one-question survey. You'll find the link in our show notes at qt4cm.org. Until next time, be encouraged. God is with us. Serve with joy. Serve with joy.